Here the old gods are dead. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiya, this is the Creepy Wee Podcast. I'm Rebecca with Liam. Uh, it's me. Hi. I'm <laughs> from <problem>. It's me. <laughs> this episode of the Creepy Wee Podcast is brought to you by this sound. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hear Nate ins or outs this week for the culture. Probably, well, obviously the obvious one is my in is Taylor Swift's album and then my other in is Carly Rae Jepsen's album but I would just like to say thank fuck we didn't do this every week because the need to have things to talk about and <laughs> no day anything with your life like it's a struggle it's a struggle to be remotely interesting it's funny because we've literally seen each other and we're still like I have nothing to talk about <laughs> we ain't nothing to talk about because we just sit and slagged everybody and you sushi the other day so. <laughs> and unfortunately we can't go on air being cunts <laughs> I mean, we can. Maybe our audience would like that. No. Email in if you want to hear us bitch about other people. <laughs> we finally get emails and it's people saying, yes, God, yes. <laughs> I do have an in this week. And I was thinking about it because I have it in my notes. Uh, because I've just been, every time I think of something for the culture, I just make, like, there's a docket in my notes of things to, talk, to, things to address. Questions for the culture. Uh-huh. So my in this week is something that I hate but I find it so funny and it's such a weird thing. Like gays, specifically like UK Twitter gays, when they have their like display name on Twitter and it's something like some niche British TV, reality TV moment. And it's like Talisa's Fagash Breath. Like that's their name on Twitter, like something like that. And I've not seen this one, but I just know someone out there. If you're the person out there that has Talisa's Fagash Breath, as your display name, (laughs) (laughs) just know I have your number. (laughs) And I just find it so funny because I'm like, is that the pinnacle of comedy at this point in time for for the gays? <laughs> Do you know for the past three episodes we've recorded, a celebrity has died? Oh, aye. Who, did, who was the star? <laughs> Doc Cotton. Who else? I'm scared to record now. What if we killed Dolly Parton? Angela Lansbury. The oh, Queen. Aye. The Queen. <laughs> too bad <laughs> too bad i too bad <laughs> no it's very Who sad else? when people somebody die, else but... somebody else died 
like medrecord ones oh i'm worried no angela lansbury was like while you were editing all right right you were in the studio as it were she said that's all she wrote Okay, I've said that joke four separate times now since I've laughed played. every time. So I studied journalism, <laughs> and whenever I would show this is cute, whenever I would show my mum like stuff that I'd written or talked about anything that I'd written, she'd be like, "Oh, you're like Jessica Fletcher," and then and then if she never said that, she'd be like, "Oh, you're like Lois Lane." <laughs> oh. I vo- I voice noted uh, Liam earlier to say because I like went downstairs and my mum was like, she was asking me when I was recording the podcast, but she went. When are you doing your iPod hang? <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong. She's not. Yeah, because that's that where the podcast the... came from. Because it used Aye. to be like an iPod exclusive sort of format. Aye, I think it was like something in the Guardian that like penned the name and then it just caught on. And then Apple were like, yeah, we'll be taking that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, mm. my, my out this week is... Lana Del Rey, because she's nowhere to be found. So the Lana Del Rey Taylor Swift collab is about to break a record for being like the most streamed collab on like Spotify or something between has two it, female artists. Has it and not like done literally. It oh, has it? Yeah. Well, it's just shocking to me that like Taylor Swift has had to like eat her hat and like release an extended version of the song where you can actually hear Lana Del Rey um, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> <laughs> she's so in her bag and she doesn't know any words. I love that. I mean, she she's making an obscene amount of money. It's also like a really good song. That's the thing. I'm like, why isn't Lana singing on and this? And it's also a Lana Del Rey song. Like, let's let's be real. It is a Lana Del Rey I song. I genuinely think that like Taylor Swift wrote this song and Jack Antonoff went, you're about to catch some lawsuit hands, so you better phone <laughs> Lana. <laughs> she gets to come in and get it recorded on this song. Oh my God. I told a guy at work today who's visiting from Denmark to spit on the heart of Midlothian because it's good luck. And then I thought, if people see him do that, they might think that he's just, like, they might hit him. And then, (laughs) if they don't know, because I I told him it as if, like, that's just common culture, as if everyone remembers that that's a thing. (laughs) There is, like, every time I walk past it, there's a little pile of spit on it. But we were walking through the cow gate up past the heart of Midlothian on the mile, and we passed it. like it was like me my girlfriend my sister and my pal and i was like oh run back we need to spit on it so like we ran back and we spat on it and then this groupy irish guys were like what the fuck are you doing and i was like oh i was like didn't even start use all kiss a rock so i was like you better start spitting on that (laughs) and they were and they were and then they all did it (laughs) and then a shooting star went past in the sky that is actually what happened (laughs) it was a bit much that and the bagpipes. <laughs> it was a bit of a weird time. What's that noise underneath the ground? Oh, that's just the Piper Boy that got lost. <laughs> Speaking of Edinburgh ghosts, good segue. This episode is about not the ghost of Mary Queen of Scots. It's about the life and the death of Mary Queen of Scots, part two. Mainly the um, latter. Mainly the latter. If you thought when you were listening to the last episode of this podcast, this couldn't get any worse. Well, it could. It's really bad. So, trigger warning for um, if you have mental health, like maybe maybe listen to this in increments. Um, there are mentions a sexual assault. There are mentions of death, blood, beheadings, etc. So, Gore, just explosions. Yeah. But we'll take a wee break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Mary Queen Scoots. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So we left off the last episode with the Deaf private secretary, David Rizzio, who was murdered in a plot by Protestant lords and Lord Darnley in the hopes of causing the pregnant Mary to force crown matrimonial to him through either illness or death. But that didn't work. She persevered. And she so can't. She's, she's so, so pussy slave for that. that. <laughs> Mary, although heavily shaken by the murder of her friend, managed to give birth to a healthy baby James VI a few months later. But this had little to save her marriage with Darnley. The birth of a male heir was signalled with immense rejoicings in Edinburgh and 500 bonfires were lit to illuminate the city and the surrounding hills with their festive fire. You could not see me celebrating a royal baby Mm-mm-mm. In this day and age, like they must have been doing something different back then. Because in this day and age, <laughs> parasite. That's a big <laughs> parasite. That's a tumor cell. Like, and well, to be fair, James the Sixth actually was a baby parasite because he believed in the divine right of kings. <laughs> <laughs> he got us in this place. <laughs> yeah, like we like, can he's blame queer, him. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All is forgiven. <laughs> so the whole artillery at Edinburgh Castle was discharged. So they're firing all the cannons. They're lighting all the bonfires. The lords and nobles and people were gathered at St. Giles Cathedral to thank God for the honour of having an heir to their kingdom. And better yet, a male heir. Sir James Melville, given the good news by Mary Beaton, which is one of Mary's Marys, one of our Marys in waiting, I if actually knew them. a girl called Mary Beaton. I'm just Did you know a Mary Seaton or no. any other Marys? <laughs> what is it? Mary Seaton, Mary Beaton? Mary, Mary. Livingston. And then the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the Veronica in the Marys. We'll call her Mario. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a me, Mary. <laughs> that was her doing her French accent. <laughs> so, so James Melville is given the good news by Mary Beaton and he rides off to London an hour later and he books it. Like he hears the news, an hour later he's ready and he's on his horse and he goes to break the news to Queen Elizabeth in England. So Antonia Fraser says that the English Queen reacted with her famous outcry, the primitive complaint of a childless woman for a more favoured sister. Elizabeth says, alas, the Queen of Scots is lighter of a bonny son and I am of but barren stock. So there was a rumour in the days following the birth of James that Darnley was planning to leave the country and this would humiliate Mary and discredit James's legitimacy as heir by being the bastard Sonny Rizzio because that's what it would look like to everybody. Yeah. During this time, Mary would sleep with James's crib in the same room in order to protect him should Darnley try to harm him because he was getting very yeah. like bold at this point and very violent. During this time, royals give their children up for fosterage. It's very common and then their parents would go and see them like every and again it's kind of like how rich people yeah. now have nannies yeah very like similar it's not changed like it's the same thing for no because folk folk like retrospectively look at this and they're like oh mary must have been like a cold and callous mother which is not true she was a very devoted mum, and she loved yeah, she James, gave but... him the best opportunities available at the time yes james is a few months old and he's given to his foster parents to be raised in Stirling Castle as was customary to the Scottish nobility at this time. Mary is a doting mother and she had buckets of gold and silver prepared to pay for the nursery to be redeveloped at Stirling Castle for her little prince to grow up in the best conditions possible. As she gives James up, she's gone through her regular nervous sickness, which we spoke about in the first episode, but this is really being ramped up by what is called the Darnley Problem. <laughs> Mary's ambassador in Paris, Maitland, attributed her illness entirely to her disagreements with Darnley. Quote, he misuses himself so far towards her that it is a heartbreak for her to think that he should be her husband. Oh, okay. so she's sad. like actually distraught that she's stuck with him. She <laughs> suffered <laughs> a freak. <laughs> <laughs> so she suffers with frequent vomiting, loss of sight, loss of speech, convulsions periods of unconsciousness this is the part where she like goes into a coma and everybody thought she was going to die she did recover for this for october 25th onwards and this was the credit air french physicians that she had for the french court wait they... tomorrow is the anniversary of mary queen of scots getting better coma. <laughs> <laughs> what are we all doing to celebrate where are we going are we going out out what's everyone wearing jeans and a nice top <laughs> so our friends our french physicians like take care of her and she's like all good at this point i feel like she could have been doing with some sertraline or something but we move <laughs> mary does write her will during this period ensuring that james would have the throne and she leaves a substantial amount of jewelry to darnley to ensure that he would also be protected in the event of her death which going on to what we're talking about later like everybody know that she put darnley in her will which is not something that somebody who would intend to murder their husband would day. At the end of November 1566, once she was better, Mary and the leading nobles held a meeting to discuss the problem of Darnley. The lords said means would be found for Mary to divorce Darnley if she would only pardon Lord Morton and the other Rizzio assassins who were still in exile. The Queen promised her consent but said that divorce must be legally obtained without prejudice to her son. 
so to make sure that James would still be the rightful heir. Yeah. Maitland suggested, quote, other means. <laughs> and in a famous phrase told the Queen that Murray, the key advisor who had rebelled against the Darnley marriage and Mary's illegitimate half-brother, oh. Murray would look through his fingers if the lords murdered Darnley. At this, the Queen quickly asked them to do nothing that would go against her honour, aka do not murder Darnley, this will look bad on me. <laughs> If Murray was looking through his fingers at the idea of the Lord's murder and Darnley to get him out of the picture, then Mary had her fingers tapped rightly around her eyes. Like she was like, I, s- <laughs> I, I, I cannot see it. <laughs> I cannot see it. <laughs> All of a sudden. Um, after the discussions of the Darnley problem at this meeting, preparations are made for James's baptism to go ahead whilst Mary and Darnley are still very much married at this point, although they're living separately, I believe. That's so progressive of them. <laughs> They've got an open relationship. At this point. <laughs> it's just Darnley gone out and shagging like sex workers and stuff. Yeah, and what a baptism! James the Sixth, born into being a Liberace ass. Like <laughs> things included in the baptism: fireworks, a masquerade, club, bus, another club, a theatrical pretend attack on Stirling Castle, like a fake siege. On the castle. <laughs> For why? I have no idea. <laughs> what is what is this person called? The the guy who put, like put this on, but the wedding planner basically <laughs> is a French courtier, and he's called like there's a title for it like it's like the master of art so it's like basically he's got to make sure that the vibes are correct at all times so this is what he puts on james's very camp very fierce baptism was not attended by darnley who was in the private rooms of the castle at the time after the event after the function he was moved from sterling to be near allies in glasgow this is around the time of which the fears of him like fleeing the country to sort of ruin mary's image became a a big pressing concern. However, Mary then convinced Darnley, who is now suffering of smallpox, (laughs) syphilis, um, (laughs) like that man was, he was clapped, like he was was a free spirit, we'll say that. No, it's smallpox, I swear. (laughs) It's definitely no syphilis. Smallpox. (laughs) I couldn't have given you HPV. You must have had that before I met you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Mary convinces him and his smallpox, air quotations, ridden ass, uh, to return to Edinburgh to be near her again because she is like a hopeless romantic that loves optics. She's French. She's French. (laughs) Instead of staying at the Palace of Holyrood, he stayed at Kirklefield, which is 10 minute walk away. A, a nice bit of distance, I guess. Health, healthy distance in your relationship is key. That's how you survive, I guess. Separate bedrooms, etc. <laughs> separate bedrooms, separate lovers. Separate uh, houses. <laughs> and during his time, his, during his stay there, Mary would go and visit him and stay with him until the wee hours of the morning, like caring for him. In one way is like evidence of like innocence because like she's taking care of her man it's like it shows reconciliation on the other hand evidence of guilt very guilty behavior i'm more of this train of thought because i enjoy the concept of her you like this being like game of thrones don't you yeah but like that's the point like that's that's like game of thrones is basically
face on something. She's maybe a good person, but she also wasn't going to stop anyone killing him. Let's say that. <laughs> Hands wrapped firmly around her eyes. <laughs> I cannot see. Um, this sign can't stop me because I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I just realized what you said. <laughs> So while Darnley was staying at Kirklefield, Mary attended the wedding of Bastien Page, her French courtier and one of her closest servants. He was also the musician of the court, so he played like a lot of instruments. And, and the master of revels, that's it. Master of revels. He, he was the wedding planner for James's baptism. He was the vibe checker. Yes. If you're, if you're rotted, you're not coming in. <laughs> um, Darnley, you're not coming in. <laughs> Darnley wasn't invited, so... <laughs> Around 2am on the night of the 10th of February, 1567, a very oddly specific and planned time, <laughs> while Mary was definitely not in Kirklefield. We want to be clear about that. She was definitely... She was at the party, remember? She was at the party. She was, <laughs> she was at the wedding. Um, <laughs> an explosion blew Kirklefield to bits, caused by the ignition of two barrels of gunpowder that had been hidden in the room under where Darnley's sleeping quarters were. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like an accident to me. <laughs> I don't know, someone fell. I fell. <laughs> anyway, his body, Darnley's body, and the body of his valet were found outside having survived the initial blast. That's okay, kind no. of, like, you could have at least, well, maybe it was an accident, but you could have at least planned maybe three barrels of gunpowder. Like, make sure he's dead. <laughs> I did see two, and I was like, that seems like a small number. That might no day the trick, which it clearly didn't. Well, maybe it was designed to look like an accident. <laughs> like, it was only two barrels. Of course, I would use four if this was premeditated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his body was found outside, surrounded by a cloak and dagger, a chair, and a coat, which is sounding a lot like a game Pluto. of Pluto. <laughs> uh, he was dressed only in his honk me 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 uh, nightshirt. <laughs> suggesting that he had been sleeping when the blast went off and legged it as soon as he felt it. Upon finding his body, apparently he had been smothered, but there were no visible marks of strangulation or violence having been acted upon the body. If there was an explosion, could they not have like asphyxiated on the smoke? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was my thought. And I'm like, how did they, how did these people in the 1500s not know? <laughs> yeah, I know. How can they turn up and be like, oh, like that's definitely a smothering. That's how he's died. Anyway, like we Almost weren't even fingerprints like until like the 90s came on. I mean how, how in the 15, 15 <laughs> are like these twats turning up and being like he was smothered because we did it <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> a very like Scooby Doo Inspector Gadget sort of like confession to a crime and, and, like, then, oh. you, and then you strangled him no actually I smothered him so ha <laughs> 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 but yeah, there was a post-mortem done on the body. I didn't know post-mortems dated back that far. Neither like, did I. I thought they would have just chucked them in the ground, but... Am I being stupid? Like, is the advent of modern medicine and crime scene investigation a lot more... I love that they've got, like, old. crime scene investigation and forensics, and then at the same time it's like the... What is it called? Like, the four... What the four humours. Like, the four humours are like phlegm. <laughs> Black bile. 
blood. <laughs> Yellow bile. <laughs> a postmortem revealed internal injuries thought to have been caused by the explosion. John Knox, of course, claimed that the surgeons who examined the body were lying and that Darnley had been strangled. But all the sources agree <laughs> there were no marks on the body. Kind of with rangers. <laughs> <laughs> There was no reason for the surges to lie as Darnley was murdered either way. <laughs> like, why would we lie? Like, we're still saying he was murdered. <laughs> John Knox, like, it's really like had to, like, calm. fucking stick his beak in every single thing that was going on during this era. <laughs> like, he just it's... had something to say about everything. They were, like, the postmortem was like, he was murdered. And he was like, no, in that way, he was there. <laughs> It's literally a sitcom. It's so funny. <laughs> like, I imagine this tiny little man just, like, bursting into the room, like, oh, I see the strangle marks on his neck. Let me at him, let me at him. <laughs> the Scrappy-Doo. Did you know, like, compare it to Scrappy-Doo last time where he's just, like, pissing on Daphne, he, a.k.a. Mary Queen Scott? And he keeps proving me right. <laughs> so... So who, who done it? Done it. <laughs> who done it? Suspicion quickly falls on James Hepburn, fourth Earl of Bothwell, who we are just going to call Bothwell for this point on, and his supporters, notably Archibald Douglas, Parson of Douglas. Archibald Douglas, also a common name that appears in like four other episodes of the Creepy Wee Podcast. Uh, not to be confused with like that guy who got murdered in the James the Second episode. I was going to ask that, and I was like, Christ, he must be old now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like him for the end of the last crusade. <laughs> Archibald Douglas's shoes were actually found at the scene, so I don't know if things were getting a bit hot on Kirky Field that night and like maybe the soles of his shoes were starting to get a bit... <laughs> so he took them off and then smothered Darnley. I don't know why he took his shoes off. There was a lot of just random shit lying around. I'm telling you, this is like um, Three Stooges, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, we're like one nobody specs the Spanish Inquisition away from this literally being a Monty Python film. <laughs> lord Bothwell was a prominent Scottish lord who had supported Mary E. Guise during her regency and who had grown very close to Mary Queen of Scots when she had returned to France, even more so during the Troubles with Darnley. It was speculated then and even now that Bothwell and Mary were having an affair even before the birth of James. The rumour is that Mary heard that Bothwell had been wounded and was likely to die and she rode all the way through the hills and forests of the border to be with him at Hermitage Castle and this was only a few weeks after she had given birth to James. However, my source, my contemporary source, Antonia Fraser, said that Mary was already on her way to visit Bothwell on Matters Estate before she had even heard about the accident and that therefore this visit is not evidence that they were already lovers at the time of the accident and I agree because Antonia Fraser found that out through letters. So, so there... <laughs> The rumour of them having an affair before the birth of James is kind of just like a Protestant kind of rumour at the time that <laughs> these things stick and they're really hard to get rid of. Very like, Helen Lovejoy. Yeah. Very I heard. <laughs> 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 
So everybody suspected Bothwell he wanted to manipulate the monarchy and to get the throne. This and his close relationship with the Queen were viewed as a motive for Bothwell to have darnly murdered with some help for the Lords. Remember when they had that meeting saying that they would look through their hands at somebody murdering darnly? Well, Bothwell was like, you called? (laughs) (laughs) And they helped him. They did. There's no way that Bothwell did all this on his own. Allegedly. Allegedly. And since it had already been spoken about, but all the blame will be pinned on Bothwell. The Lords are not going to hate anything to do with it. They were like, it was him, it was him, it was him, it was me. (laughs) He gets some help for the nobility and depending on your persuasion, he might get some help for Mary as well. In February 1567, Bothwell was one of the accused of having murdered the Queen's consort, Lord Darnley. And Darnley's father, the early Lennox and other relatives agitated for vengeance and the Scottish Privy Council began proceedings against Bothwell on the 12th of April 1567. The Privy Council is basically the lords who said they were going to murder Darnley and knew they were like proceedings against Bothwell because they're like, well... <laughs> they, were like, <laughs> they were like, let's kill him and then he did it and they were like, oh... <laughs> <laughs> An English statesman noted in a letter to Elizabeth I's advisor that Mary was in continuous ill health. For the most part, it was either melancholy or sickly. So she is genuinely distraught and she's stressed genuinely. out by the fact that her husband has been murdered because she's quick on these things and she's like, I'm fucking next. And the fact mm. that she was actually genuinely sad and upset about this, considering that she had spent like weeks looking after him, I think she actually was genuinely upset. And this also does point towards innocence. On the day his trial, Bothwell rode magnificently down the Cannon Gate in Edinburgh, flanked by two lords who were also mm. implicated in the trial. The trial lasts seven hours and Bothwell is acquitted, and then it becomes widely rumoured that he and Mary would marry. Soon after his acquittal, Mary was travelling along a road to Lithgow Palace, and Bothwell... She's just like me. My train is... to work in the morning goes through Linlithgow, so... Every time I pass it, I'm like, Mary Queen Scots was born there. Oh, and James V. Bothwell appears on this road with 800 men and horses. He assures the Queen that danger awaits her in Edinburgh and that she should come with him to be protected in Dunbar Castle. So there's two points of view about the circumstances here. The first is that Bothwell tricked and abducted Mary and took her to Dunbar Castle and he raped her there. And the second... Mary is a willing participant in the kidnapping and the story of rape was a fabrication, so her honour and reputation were not ruined by her marriage to a man who was widely suspected a murderer. I would like to believe the second. I would like to believe the second, but I really don't feel what I've read. Either way, with the risky pregnancy, Mary and Bothwell are married in which would be the final nail in the coffin of her reign. The marriage of Mary and Bothwell split the Lords into two factions, as it were. One side supported Mary, and the other supported Mary's abdication. It's so <laughs> comfy of them to, for it to be like that. <laughs> all in all, there were 26 Lords opposing her, and they were called the Confederate Lords. And if history has taught me anything, when someone is like part of Confederacy, <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> they're not on like the side of the heroes. The Confederate Lords then formed an army and met the Royal Army at the Battle of Carberry Hill. The supporters of Mary in this battle carried the lion rampant, the royal seal. On the other hand, the rebel lord's banner replicated the murder scene showing Darnley dead under a tree with the infant James VI and a motto reading, Judge and revenge my cause, O Lord. 
<laughs> like That's... where's the ma- where's the melodrama these days? How long did that take to fashion? Like yeah, that very it was detailed banner. Yeah, and what many... women had to sit and do that? How big was that banner? I bet they made the Marys do it. You'd be like, we've oh, heard against... you girls are get it. What's it called? Needlepoint. Needlepoint. We can use our good at that. Not making her own girls fashion a banner against her. No, that didn't happen. She was she separated from Marys, though, which is sad. That is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's something so I don't know. This is so like. <laughs> How long like... did it take them to get to the Battle of Carberry Hill? Be like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Give us a couple more weeks. We're working on this really poignant. <laughs> you know that Twitter page, and it's t-shirts that go hard. <laughs> t-shirts that go hard and it's just like the most deranged shit you've ever seen printed up like this is <laughs> the confederate lords appear with a replicated murder scene in darnley and mary turns up with a banner that says women want me fish fear me <laughs> <laughs> the rebels then sent the french ambassador ducrot to beg mary to abandon bothwell and then they would uh, restore her to her former position they would agree to be her loyal subjects again sounds like a lie yeah that sounds like history's written by the winners um <laughs> mary then said no <laughs> well, not even no she furiously declined mary being the mary being the petty bitch with a good memory that she is pointed out to do croc that the exact lords that are now demanding that she break things off with bothwell were also the same men who previously were begging her to get together with bothwell <laughs> due to mary refusing to give up bothwell both sides then started a, a series of chivalric parleys which is basically like a medieval dance battle like no real no real battle occurred however the royal forces were outnumbered and exhausted from the heat because it's like midsummer and Bothwell suggested to Mary that they retreat to Dunbar Mary being the hothead that she was didn't believe that the situation was as desperate as it certainly was so Mary considered that the wisest course for her to pursue in the interest of both peace and the avoidance of bloodshed was to accept safe conduct for Bothwell so basically he gets to retreat and give herself over to the confederate lords who she thought would now investigate Darnley's murder and the other lords' involvements in this. So the Confederate lords betrayed their oath to Mary and took her to Edinburgh where crowds of spectators denounced her as an adulteress and a murderer. And the next night she was taken to Lochleven Castle where she was imprisoned. Surely it can't get any worse than this. <laughs> <laughs> if I sound disingenuous when I'm doing that... <laughs> It's, it's just because I'm numb. I'm numb to this at this point. Yeah, I can't believe this happened to such a magnificent woman. Well, here we go. <laughs> You've not seen this part of my research, have you, Liam? No. Between the twentieth and thirtieth of July, Mary miscarried twins who were buried on the <gasps> island at Lochleven Castle. How did I not know that? I didn't know. I had no idea until I read the book by Antonia Fraser that she had she was pregnant with twins. That's so sad. So that happens on either between the 20th or the 24th of July. On the 24th of July, she's forced to abdicate in favour of her one-year-old son, James. And Murray, even though he likely had a huge part to play in the murder of Darnley, was now made regent. 
whilst Bothwell was driven into exile. If you're wondering what happened to Bothwell, I will be talking about the life in Bothwell after Mary in the next episode and I'll also be talking about what happened to Darnley after his death. After 11 months imprisoned, Mary returned to her usual positive self and had recovered from her nervous depression that had been hanging over her since Darnley's murder. In fact, the way that she never spoke about or tried to contact Bothwell very much makes me think that she was forced into marriage rather than being a willing participant. Yeah. She doesn't talk about him ever again. One of Mary's Marys actually came to live where at Lockleven and she had befriended the castle's owner's brother, George Douglas, and through him she would escape captivity on the 2nd of May 1568. She did actually try and escape before that and she nearly got off the island, but she reached her hand out to the guy who was sailing the boat and he recognised her really elegant long hands and went, oh my god, you're Mary Queen of Scots, I've heard so much about these hands. That's genuinely like, what happened. And then he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. We'll get in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so she does successfully escape on the 2nd of May, 1568. And she manages to raise an army, 6,000 men, where she meets Murray's smaller forces at the Battle Elangside. But she's defeated and she flees south and she crosses the Solway Firth into England by fishing boat on the 16th of May. A few days later, local officials took her into protective custody at Carlisle Castle. She expected Elizabeth I to help her get her throne back, but Lizzie was cautious and suspicious and launched an inquiry into Mary's involvement in Darnley's death. The commission inquiry was held in York and later Westminster between October 1568 and January 1569. As an anointed queen, Mary would refuse to acknowledge the power of any court to try her and she refused to attend the inquiry at York personally but sent representatives elizabeth forbade her attendance anyway so it was like right <laughs> nobody asked you to come <laughs> to be fair elizabeth probably feared that good press amongst her subjects and upon seeing mary's yeah. beauty and getting like the catholics riled up in that it would have been a mess so as evidence against mary murray presented the casket letters the casket letters are eight unsigned letters purportedly for Mary to Bothwell. Two marriage contracts and a love sonnet or sonnets and all were said to have been found in a silver gilded casket just less than one foot long and decorated with a monogram of the King of France, Francis II. Mary denied writing them and insisted they were forgeries, arguing that her handwriting was not difficult to imitate. Humble. <laughs> she's just like me. <laughs> Whereas she's like writing in like French cursive. <laughs> well, these letters were written in French. The authenticity of the casket letters has been a source of much controversy amongst historians. It is impossible to now prove this either way. The originals were written in French and were possibly destroyed in 1584 by James VI whilst he was trying to improve his mother's image during his reign. The letters were never made public to support her imprisonment in Lockleven or to support her forced abdication. Historian Jenny Warmold believes that this reluctance on the part of the Scots to produce the letters and then their destruction in 1584, whatever their content, constitute proof that they contained real evidence against Mary and that's why James had them destroyed. But it did take a long time for the Scottish lords to produce them at our inquiry. Like the inquiry was already gone on and they were like, oh, by the way, we have these. 
(laughs) (laughs) The fact that it took them so long to produce them, it leads to the fact that they needed time to create forgeries. That's why I think. The commissioners, however, accepted the casket letters as genuine after a study of their contents and the comparison of penmanship with examples of Mary's handwriting. Elizabeth, as she had wished, concluded the inquiry with a verdict that nothing was proven against either the Confederate Lords or Mary. For overriding political reasons, Elizabeth wished neither to convict nor acquit Mary in her murder. Like, Elizabeth did not want to prove that a queen was guilty of murder and she wanted to avoid it at all costs. In the end, Murray returned to Scotland as regent and Mary remained in custody in England. My source, Antonia Fraser, says that it is one of the weirdest trials in legal history. Trials is in quotations. And I agree. It ends with no finding of guilt for either party. And one was allowed to return home to Scotland whilst the other remained in custody, even though she was innocent. Mary's remains in custody or imprisonment in England, uh, but she is permitted her own domestic staff. She needed 30 carts to transport her belongings from house to house, and her chambers were decorated with fine tapestries and carpets, as well as the cloth of state, which she had a French phrase. I'm not reading the French writing for it, but uh, the the tapestry says... In my end lies my beginning. That was embroidered on it. I think it's fucking sad. Everyone's sad for here on out. Yeah, it's very, it's a very hard history to recount because, like, you do fall in love with her. I was telling Liam this. Like, I finished my research and I finished my book by Antonia Fraser. And I like shut my laptop and I was like, and just like that, and then I started crying. <laughs> yeah, you know that sort of thing where you finish reading a really good book and then you like close it and go and hold it against your. <laughs> That was literally what it was like. And then I started listening to Kiss Me by Sixpence and the Richer. (laughs) (laughs) So Elizabeth's secretaries watched Mary closely using spies and it is reported that during this time she became ill and lame due to lack of exercise and confinement. Which is quite shit because of how much Mary like rose horses, enjoyed falconry, constantly loved Yeah, and was hot and sexy. Ere the next 19 years, Mary becomes a figurehead for Catholics to rally around. And many believed that Elizabeth's parents, Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, were not legally married in the eyes of the church. Meaning that Elizabeth could not be queen. And Mary was the granddaughter of Henry's older sister, Margaret, so she had a legitimate claim to the English throne. And she was a clear candidate to take the throne of England from Elizabeth. Mary was accused of being involved in a plot to kill Elizabeth so that she could replace her as Queen of England and was tried for treason. She was found guilty and whilst Mary was in captivity, Elizabeth writes to her custodian asking for him to murder Mary quietly and he refuses. Mary spends her final night, the 7th of February 1587, praying and writing letters of farewell. Her last letter was to her former brother-in-law, Henry IV de France. She says, Royal brother... Having by God's will for my sins, I think, thrown myself into the power of the Queen, my cousin, at whose hands I have suffered much for almost 20 years. I have finally been condemned to death by her and her estates. I am to be executed like a criminal at eight in the morning. And then she begged him to pray for her. Mm. The following morning, Mary Queen of Scots entered the room where she was to be executed. She told her friends and servants to rejoice rather than weep that the end of Mary Stuart's troubles is now come. Tell my friends that I die a true woman to my religion, and like a true Scottish woman and a true French woman. Mary disrobed. Are we both crying? I'm crying. <laughs> We're both crying. Daddy, this is where I started crying in the book. 
Mary disrobed and her black garments were removed, revealing an outfit of deep red, the Catholic colour of martyrdom. She knelt down on a cushion, resting her head on the block, before stretching her arms out and crying in Latin, Into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. And then the axe came down, but it landed on the back of her head rather than her neck. And a second blow cut into her neck, but it was the third that was required to sever the head completely. When the executioner lifted Mary's head, it tumbled onto the stage, leaving him holding her wig because she had spent so long in captivity and had been so ill that she had no hair left and that she was wearing she was wearing a wig. So it was short and completely grey underneath the wig due to her years of stress. Apparently, a final surprise was waiting for the executioner no. and Mary's little Sky Terrier had no. been hiding under her skirts and was soaked in blood. I'm leaving. <laughs> this isn't even funny anymore. This is really sad. I know. It's not funny. <laughs> like. It's not the wee dog. I know. In the years following Mary's death, like her reputation was kind of a bit tricky, especially due to how Protestant things were to become. James did do a lot to repair the image of his mother during his reign, obviously destroying the ca- the casket letters and stuff like that. But he also had Mary's body moved for where it was, and she was interred in Westminster Abbey. And although her and Elizabeth never met during their life, they're directly across each other in Westminster, their tombs. So they are together. They're together forever in death. Um, Like as much as like, obviously Elizabeth had Mary executed, she did not want to. It was her advisors who really twisted her arm because it kind of, they were like, she will keep plotting until she kills you or escapes. So like, end it now before she becomes like a proper martyr so and obviously Mary was very upset by how she had been treated in England as a prisoner so I'm yeah. I'm not saying that I agree with Elizabeth's methods but I can see and I don't know it's, I kind of respect that she didn't want to kill her yeah she didn't they really respected each other they wrote letters all through their lives to each other like even when Mary was in France she would write to Elizabeth it's really sad it is like this is she just had a very unfortunate hand dealt to her well it's like when antonia fraser starts her book she's like even like the, the strongest of princes could not handle the crown that was a bit fall to the next heir a james v and who got it was a baby girl yeah. like i wouldn't matter who it was but we've been like left with this like really romantic smart character who was just really in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, the hand if, was very shitly dealt. I truly believe she would have become, like, the next heir to the throne of England had her first husband not died. Yeah, I think she made a really big mistake in letting her emotions get a her senses and marrying Darnley. Who because among us? Who among yeah, us? Yeah, who among us has not had a toxic boyfriend? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um... You know who you are. <laughs> but I, I've spent like six weeks with this book, and like, I've for as much as I've joked like about Mary Queen of Scots being attached to everything in Scottish history, like, it, I'm now one of the things that she's. Yeah. 
Like, I don't think it really gets much better than that for, like, romantic monarch. And I can see why her and Elizabeth, like, they're inseparable, actually. I've tried to talk about Elizabeth the least. Um, and just talk about Mary, because obviously this is a Scottish podcast, but... Um, it was very, very interesting. And when I say I close my eyes and I see Mary Queen of Scots and I go to sleep and I see Mary Queen of Scots, I'm being deadly serious. Like this has consumed me for the last like six <laughs> weeks. Um, but next time we'll come back and we'll talk about some ghosts, see Mary, and then we'll talk about Bothwell's imprisonment and we'll talk about some some bones that went I'm missing. Seance. Yeah, and we'll all try and contact her, but. The success of the last episode, I feel like we've been blessed by our Mary. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's like everyone have a piece of shortbread in her honor, I guess. Yeah, everybody sing a wee bit of Frere Jaco. <laughs> <laughs> she, this one's for you. <laughs> no, rather, no. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. <laughs> 